you know, business people in general are looking for purpose and meaning and integrity and, and authenticity in their lives and in their work. Those cultural influences really make work out to be this thing that we just think is all important. The Gospel of Work. And that is the topic for today's Oak Guild Institute podcast with my guest, Denise Eon. Before we get to meet Denise and properly introduce the topic, a reminder, the Oak Guild Institute is dedicated to helping people live flourishing lives. We believe that this consists of a combination of a contemplative life and an active life. We further believe that the contemplative aspect of such a life happens by living out a life of the mind that seeks truth and engages in loving, contested dialogue and discourse. I'm Jake Chaco, your host for today's episode, which I can't wait to get into. And this is episode number two in the Oak Hill Institute's Still Young History. Today, especially in our knowledge economy, we spend a lot of time at work. The title of today's talk, The Gospel of Work, comes from the Faith and Work Journey, a curriculum that was put together by Denise Yan to put work in its proper but right perspective. Let's welcome Denise. We are so delighted to have you. Um, Before we dive into faith and work and the faith and work journey, tell our listeners a little bit about you, Denise. Well, thank you so much, Jake, for having me on your show. I have been looking forward to this conversation, and I just appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and to share about the faith and work journey. So a little bit of background is that I became a Christian around the same time that I started my professional career. This was quite a long time ago, Um, but those two things have always been related and somewhat intertwined in the sense that as I was growing in my faith, I was also growing in my professional career and have a lot of questions about how do I do both? And do, does my faith have anything to do with my work and vice versa? And so I started reading a ton and, uh, uh, and uh, just trying to learn about what the Bible has to say about work and therefore what God has to say about work. And after studying and researching quite a bit, I was living in San Diego and part of a new church plant. And the pastor of that church asked me to start up what he called a marketplace ministry, uh, a way for other people like me to engage in those questions that I was just kind of talking about. And so we put on seminars and events and small group learning communities and um, all sorts of programs to facilitate the exploration of the integration of faith and work. And it was such a, uh, you know, I was leading this thing, but at the same time I was learning so much as we were doing it. And um, after a few years, I kind of handed off the reins of that that program to someone else. And um, then my husband and I got involved in a program that was geared towards college graduates, um, specifically college students who had been a part of a Christian ministry in school, 
who were then now graduating out into the real world, quote unquote. And um, that transition, from what I understand, can be difficult, especially when it comes to a young person's faith and how they live that out. So this experience that we were a part of was just creating an environment for these young people to make that transition and, and to learn how to be an adult and to um, live and work as a Christian. Oh, that's, that's fabulous. And we want to get back to both the faith part, part for sure, and then the faith and work. Um, but before we go there, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your career trajectory. And that will put it in context sure. later on when we integrate the faith and work. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great topic. So um, currently, I am a keynote speaker, consultant, and writer on the topic of brand leadership. And when I say brand leadership, I really mean um, kind of a holistic approach to leading businesses and leading organizations. So I speak a lot on um, on not only like kind of positioning and competitive advantage and customer strategy, but also customer experience, and then therefore employee experience, and workplace culture, and the purpose and values that guide leaders as well as organizations. That's what I do professionally, and I got here um, after probably, uh, what, maybe like a 15-plus year career in corporate America. I uh, started in market research, and then moved into product management, worked for some advertising agencies. And then at the ripe age of 30, I got my dream job at Sony Electronics. And so back at that time, Sony was you know, this kind of world-class brand and uh, was just really highly esteemed by a lot of brand marketers out there. But they never had anyone, at least in the U.S., who was dedicated to building and steering and, and stewarding the brand. And so they, the company hired me to fill that role. And it was an awesome experience at the beginning. <laughs> um, for several years, it was just a really wonderful time of, of building the Sony brand, really from the inside out, um, working a lot on internal brand engagement and alignment among all of the workforce. Um, but after a few years, there had been quite a bit of turnover at the organization. And I decided it was my time to leave. And so I actually resigned my post at the time I was um, heading up brand and strategy in their corporate marketing group. And I, I decided I would kind of start my own independent consulting firm and did that for several years until I really discovered that what I wanted to do more was speaking than consulting. And so um, I kind of went on this journey of becoming a uh, professional speaker. And so then that's how I uh, landed where I am now. Uh, thank you for that. And that's fabulous. And, uh, for, and for our younger listeners, Apple is the standard for all things consumer and electronics. But before Apple, it used to be Sony. I certainly remember that and the Sony Walkman and so on. And, uh, and so you were <laughs> part of the driver or the engine behind that. So uh, kudos right. to you, and, uh, especially as a woman right. in the workforce and a in a Japanese company back then, uh, that's 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 just great perspective, and that those experiences uh, helped you launch your own brand building consultancy. I imagine. Yes, yes, and I should say so. Now I have the privilege and honor of speaking to executives at companies, including Facebook and the NFL 
and Lexus and, and all sorts of organizations. And so um, it's just been a, like a very rewarding professional career that I've had. Um, great. So uh, th- thank you so much, Denise, for, for that background. And you started off um, uh, saying that you entered the workforce at the same time you became a Christian. So just a little bit of context, uh, you know, at the Oak Guild Institute, we talk about all things associated with the full life, but we do not hide the fact that we're Christians, i.e. followers of Jesus. You started to blend your faith, uh, which is a, being a follower of Jesus and your career right from the get-go. And having been a facilitator for you this last semester, or what I call a TA or teaching assistant, uh, I was just blown away But how you brought uh, both aspects of the contemplation of the thinking about work and then the putting it into action into your course. So, so tell us, you know, if you will, Denise, about the philosophy, the pedagogy, and the theology behind the faith and work curriculum. And there, I've used all the big words my mother taught me, so don't ask me anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm probably not going to use those big words. <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, in, in the Christian faith, we talk about having faith like a child, and that's not meant to be a negative in the sense that we're ignorant or simplistic, but I think we have a, a, a you know, posture of humility and, and a real understanding that we don't know everything that we should know. And we certainly don't live the way that we should or want to all the time. So, um, you know, I think that what is, what is central to the faith and work journey and what is central to my own belief is the gospel. And the good news is that Jesus Christ, you know, is the son of God. He has restored um, us to God and is continuing that restorative work in every aspect of our of our world and our lives today. And eventually, um, there will be a full renewal and a full restoration to um, what God intended our world and our life to be. And so that is the good news is really what drives me or what um what inspires me and um, what really shapes the way that I live my life. I live very much as a recipient of this good news, of this great gift that Jesus given to me. And as a result, when I was designing the faith and work journey, it was really important that when we talk about how do you integrate your faith and your work, that it be grounded also in this idea that we have been given a great gift from God in our work. And um, that we now have the opportunity to turn it back into something that glorifies him and advances his kingdom. Now, I should say that I, you know, I understand that not everyone who's listening to this interview is going to be a Christian. And when we talk about faith, I'm talking about Christian faith. But in general, I think most people do bring some element of spirituality or do experience or want to experience some elements of spirituality in their lives. And I think, you know, business people in general are looking for purpose and meaning and integrity. But the renewal and restoration that Jesus began on the earth and kind of advanced through his resurrection is so much more than personal salvation. It really is the restoration of all things and the renewal of all things to God's original intent, which was thriving and flourishing and great community and um, 
uh, you know, a thriving and, uh, you know, kind of a healthy environment and um, uh, a place where justice and peace and beauty are everywhere and infused in everything. And so, um, yeah, this faith and work journey is not about teaching people how to evangelize or even trying to convert people to Christianity, but it's more about helping people see the, the kind of full range of the restoration renewal that God is doing and how do we participate in that as Christians. So that's a really important clarification. The, the, the story uh, of, of, of the universe, if you will, if we believe there's a God, uh, there, a personal God that created the universe, there's the creation and then the beauty of creation and, uh, and then taking care of creation and then in the Judeo-Christian tradition, the fall, uh, and therefore the restoration and the renewal, uh, those themes, I guess, are, are what drives the curriculum and you apply to work. Is that correct, Denise? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, I mean, there is um, kind of renewal that's happening in all aspects of our, of our lives. But I think that um, in this program, we recognize that um, work you know, A, can be frustrating and hard and unfulfilling and unfair. Um, and, um, at the, and then at the same time, um, you know, there, while there are sometimes a tendency to glorify work, and especially here in the Silicon Valley, um, and to think that, you know, whatever your work, whatever new startup or invention you're working on is, is you know, the next holy grail kind of thing. Um, and there's also the tendency to disparage work and think about it as a curse and that we're enslaved work and, you know, off to work I go, I owe, I owe, I owe. Mm -hmm. And I think what we've discovered, if you look in the Bible, is that God has a completely different picture of what work is and how we should be working and what kind of work we should do. What have been uh, some of the reactions, the responses, and in, in, in so on of uh, this way of looking at uh, looking at work? Yeah, I think uh, um, we've heard that it really is very eye-opening. That um, most Christians, I think, have heard messages about work that emphasize evangelism. So you know, here you go to work so you can share your faith with your coworkers. Um, uh, they probably also heard teaching about um, ethics and integrity and, you know, so, you know, you need to do the right thing at work and, you know, not embezzle or you not sleep with your coworkers or you know, things like that. Um, and they might even, you know, have heard teaching about working so that you have, so that you make money so that you can give it away and give it primarily to your home church. And so, you know, th those are important teachings and I don't mean to disparage the um, the emphasis that maybe most Christ most churches teach Christians in those areas. Um, but I think because we take a more holistic view of work, um, I think people say it's very eye-opening. They never thought about these things before. They never realized that work could be worship um, or that work could be a way of cultivating intimacy with God or that work could be a part of um, advancing the the new kingdom this um this righteousness and justice and peace that god wants and so i think we hear from folks that um 
it really opens up their eyes to this full vision for what work can be. And then they start asking, okay, well then really what is my role? You know, how, how do I fit in here? And so um, we take people through a, a session where they really dig into what is their calling? You know, what is God calling them individually specifically to do? And we hear from folks that that is clarifying, uh, revealing, empowering, because finally they have a sense for what kind of work they should do and why that's important. Uh, thank you for uh, yeah pulling that together. Uh, but let, let me then take to some of the uh, the main insights and or takeaways. One for me, um, you you talk about work having both instrumental and inherent value. Yeah, instrumental in that it's utilitarian; it provides a paycheck and it creates something useful but there is an inherent or even artistic or uh, um, inherent value to work. That was such a, such a deep insight, and I think it applies not just to work, but if you believe in God, it applies to things like morality. I heard a sermon uh, where some philosophers had said there can be mora morality without, uh, without God. Yes, there could be, but that would be mm -hmm. instrumental morality, but not inherent morality. Mm -hmm. You can talk about with art, when you talk about even in products like you help promote its only form versus function, you know, you're seeing that theme run mm -hmm. through. So uh, mm -hmm. unpack, unpack that particular takeaway a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, most things you have either instrumental or inherent value or some things have both. So like when something has instrumental value, we say it is valuable because it's useful and it produces outcomes. And so, you know, I would say like a vacuum cleaner, it, the machine itself is instrumentally valuable because it helps you get a clean floor. Um, but then other things have inherent value in that the thing itself in and of itself is valuable. And so your works of art, for example, would fall into this category. You know, when you, when you see something like um, the Christine Chapel, or um, uh, I, I, I'm kind of this Renaissance you know, oh. artist person, so all my references are to that. But when you see that kind of art, you, you, it's just beautiful and it's valuable because it is. Um, but then, you know, there are some things that have both instrumental and inherent value. And so the example that I use is the um, Roomba vacuum cleaner. So it is this gorgeous piece of equipment. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it's like this sleek right. white disc and um, it's so well designed. And, you know, when it runs, you, you, you can barely hear it. And so it has both instrumental value and in that, yes, it does produce for, you know, clean floors, but people also appreciate the inherent value and that it's just, it's beautiful. And so it's a combination of both. And so the teaching in the phase and work journey is that work is, is the same. It has both instrumental and inherent value. As you said, Work is inherently valuable, uh, I mean, is instrumentally valuable because it does allow us to make money, which enables us to provide for our needs and our families' needs, our communities, et cetera. Um, work does provide an environment where we can uh, bless and serve our coworkers and share our faith with them. Um, and quite a bit of work does produce tangible outcomes, whether it is um, an innovation that you are working on at, at Apple, or um, it is, um, you know, a piece of equipment that you are developing and on a Ford manufacturing 
for or you know anything uh, whether you are a wedding planner and you are actually helping someone have a wonderful special day those are all outcomes of work which make work valuable but work is also inherently valuable if you believe in what God says and God what what God says and what God does and God himself works you know the the creation story in Genesis, the first chapter of the first book in the Bible, is all about God creating this universe. And, mm. and so it provides this great model of how God works. And so work has great dignity and significance because um, of that God does it, and therefore it's inherently valuable. And work is worship. The word avodah in Hebrew where we get our word vocation from can mean work as well as worship. And so these two ideas are very closely connected. And it also, uh, another way that work has inherent value is that it enables us to commune with God. As we do work that he does, like he does, we get to know him better. And we all, and if we open our work lives to him, he gets to know us better. And so this intimacy that's created is really what God wants the most with us. So, uh, and maybe I should say like the biggest, you know, inherent value of work is that this is the way God forms us as Christians. You know, we uh, learn about faithfulness and about obedience and about humility and about servanthood and um, generosity. And we learn all these things. Um, God is transforming us through our work. and that again um, makes work inherently valuable. And the reason why it's important to acknowledge the inherent value of work is I think so much of our culture, and I'm speaking primarily about the US culture now, um, but it really emphasizes the instrumental value of work. Um, I think it was a little, you know, Batman that says it doesn't matter who you are, but it's what you do that counts. And so I think in general, there's this culture that we live in, which is all about, well, what kind of work are you doing? And is that really important? And in certain cultures, certain professions are valued more because they seem to be more instrumental. If you're a doctor, you know, or if you're an engineer, um, even if you're a lawyer to some extent, I mean, you're actually, you know, producing something that is of value. And so people kind of, um, really emphasize the instrumental value of work. But as Christians, we don't want to make work an idol like that. We don't want to only view work and people based on what outcomes they produce. It's, it's about the work that God is doing through the work. And so um, it by acknowledging the in, inherent value of work and bringing that view of work the inherent view of work into balance with the instrumental value of work. Again, we come back to the gospel, the good news that we don't have to do work. We don't have to produce outcomes. We don't have to you know, create great results in order for God to love us. He already loves us far more than we could ever imagine. And so um, it's very, I think, affirming and liberating and again, inspiring. Uh, no, uh, thank you for that. And I want to pull on the uh, work is worship in just a second, but I got to comment, Denise, on, 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 on Roomba. And this one is personal. 
so I got us a Roomba. Uh, and, mm. uh, and even though we spend several hundred dollars on it, uh, not only is it u- <laughs> utilitarian, but it is, it is a thing of beauty, <laughs> the inherent, like you said, uh, you know, humans being made in God's image created Roomba and <laughs> it was good in many senses. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you that's <laughs> um but but let's pull on um you said work is worship and I presume you mean worship as a verb, as an act, and you're worshiping God. Um at least in the uh in today's society in not just the US but in today's uh, knowledge economy and the stress on careers, work becomes the object of worship, you know, uh, potentially, even mm. though it's utilitarian. And I know you talk about Sabbath, but you, you're, you're at the crux of something really deep for the current society. So, um, so, so parse for us, if you will, Denise, work is worship versus worshiping work, if you will. Those cultural influences really make work out to be this thing that we just think is all important. You know, we must work to justify our existence here on Earth. There's a great book uh, about Sabbath, about resting, called Subversive Sabbath. And it's by this guy, I think, up in like Seattle or somewhere, A.J. Swoboda. And you know, he says that we often think that the opposite of worshiping God is worshiping the devil, but that's not really the problem. Our mm-hmm. problem is that we worship ourselves. And I think that that's really the root of this kind of work as an idol. Like we kind of think it's all up to us to do everything. And um, I think, you know, the what the Bible teaches us is that that's a lie. And um, that if we can view our worship as a response, to what God has already done for us. If we can be so filled with gratitude for what God has done for us and what is given to us, um, then we seek to work in a way that glorifies God, that um, makes his goodness known. We are kind of released from this idol of work and therefore we're released from kind of the bondage that work can often trap us in. So it's a totally different like mindset shift. And I think that that when you when you grasp that, that enables you to experience true rest because, you know, you can go on vacation. You can even you know do your weekly or monthly Sabbath times or whatever. But if you still believe that I have to justify my existence, I have to prove that I'm valuable, I have to be working in order to to you know, make myself important to the world, you will never experience true rest. It's only when you realize that all the work has been done by Jesus, and now we get to work in joyful response, that then you can truly unplug and experience that, the true rest of Sabbath. Um, does, gosh, does that answer your question? Yeah, gosh, Denise, and even as, uh, as I listen to you, and uh, all of that's wrapped into the crux of all of the pressures to perform that that at this point in time many of us feel so uh, i'm just riffing a little bit but uh, you know i think you're bringing to the surface uh, a lot of the different pressure points denise what our work is not always going to be successful 
we're going to fail. Um, we're going to get fired. Um, we're going to be frustrated by the inability to get things done that we want to at work. Um, and if we only think about the instrumental value of work, that will be very like um, debilitating and destructive and, and paralyzing almost because it's like, you know, I'm supposed to be producing stuff and, and it, it was not getting done. So you might have to do, you know, yucky or mundane or failing work, but it's still valuable to God mm-hmm. because of all these reasons that we just talked about because of its inherent value. Um, super. Let me um, I look at it from a different lens because in your videos, you use examples from biblical stories. Um, and, you know, most of the time when the, those stories were written, we were living in an agricultural artisan kind of nomadic mm-hmm. society. And uh, much, much later, uh, the, there was a renaissance and then the industrial age and then the um, information age and now the knowledge age. Uh, comment, if you will, on some of the stories you use, but work through the ages uh, leading up to we've talked about work right now and the pressure to perform. But, you know, how would the faith and work journey curriculum maybe it still applies, I'm sure, because it's the gospel of work, but it might have been different. So mm-hmm. can you just comment on that, Denise? Yeah, I think that that is a really important uh, and provocative thought exercise uh, because, you know, I think one of the one of the challenges that I sometimes hear on the Facebook journey is, is this just for kind of white collar professional people? You know, again, we're in Silicon Valley, so is it just for like the tech worker? So, you know, one of the stories that, that we study in, in the in the faith and work journey is about Joseph, the uh, the favorite of his fathers, and so his brothers basically took him out and, um, you know, beat him up and tried to leave him on the street to die because they wanted to get rid of him. Um, but then his, through God's like, uh, providential miraculous hand, he was able to end up, you know, kind of becoming what is essentially like the prime minister to Pharaoh Mm -hmm. and helping the, helping, um, Egypt survive the famine you know, definitely there's this instrumental value in that Joseph, um, he, he wisely advised the Pharaoh. He um, provided for not only the, the people in the country, but then eventually his own family. He, he used it to, to serve others and in doing so really brought glory to God. So, um, you know, I think that through the ages, there are all different types of work and types of workers. And I'm pretty sure that the gospel work applies to all. Um, no, thank you. That's so good. And, you know, when people think gospel, they mean the gospel of Jesus, but it's a lot broader uh, than Jesus's work on the cross. It's, it's a stories throughout history, including in the Bible, where, um, you know, Joseph's story is a great example of um, of, of goodness, fall, redemption, instrumental, inherent value, and <laughs> God was behind it all. So thank you for bringing that out. This is this has been fascinating, Denise, and I've been at the faith and work journey for maybe a year and a half, and it's getting good reception. Where does it go from? Where does it go from here? What uh, you know? What do you? 
what are your dreams? What are your aspirations? So where do you think this could go? Where do you think God will take it? Yeah. Um, and so for the faith and work journey, I'd say that, yeah, it's been around for maybe about a year and a half. And it's been, I, I've kind of purposely done this very low key, um, you know, bootstrap, uh, under the radar <laughs> um, kind of startup. And so we to date have, our programs have been very kind of ad hoc and very like program specific. Really what I am sensing is that God is calling us to scale and to mature and to approach the faith and work journey as a ministry and a, an organization and a movement, um, not just a bunch of ad hoc programs. What that looks like, though, I, I really don't know. And, I, and I, um, I am fully convinced that this is God's program. I do hope that we would be impacting more people in um, deeper ways to help them cultivate this vital integration of faith work. And part of that feeling is bringing other leaders to the organization, including you, Jake. We need the advice and the leadership. Um, and the stewardship of other people. And so I'm just pleased to be able to, um, you know, bring you and a few select others into partnership on that. So we'll work together towards this great vision and God will reveal it to us one step at a time, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, that's great, Denise. And I know just from personal experience, I think what you're doing was such a blessing to me and to others. And in turn, we can use that blessing to bless others. And I think that's your intent behind uh, this whole ripple effect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, as Christians, we're called to, you know, disciple as we get to know God better, as we kind of grow in our relationship with him. We share that with other people and we inspire other people, we equip other people, we empower other people. And so, um, yeah, this idea that we are raising up new influencers, um, not only in the Christian world, but I really believe that we are raising up the next generation of business leaders. And I just can't wait to see what God does through some of these folks. It's, it's going to be amazing. Uh, well, thank you for what you're doing. It's just been a great conversation. And I never thought when we started, um, I know it's the gospel or the good news of work and uh, we can stipulate that. I never thought we'd get into Roomba and never know. When. <laughs> uh, but thank you. Thank you, Denise. Uh, where can, uh, where can people find out more about the faith and work journey? Yes. Thanks for asking. And thank you so much for this conversation, Jake. It's been such a pleasure. People can go to our website. It's um, faithandworkjourney.com. So all spelled out faith and work journey.com. And um, there you'll be able to learn all about the programs. And um, there's also a link to an email info at faith and work journey, which comes directly to me. Super. So we'll be looking forward to, uh, to more from your work as well as from you and uh, so thank you so much uh denise and uh maybe we'll catch up with you uh down the road a little bit and see where this your journey has taken you and where faith and work is leading awesome thanks again jake as for oak guild institute and the life of the mind 
so far we've been doing podcasts so you can get it where wherever you get your podcast spotify apple so on uh under oak gilder life of the mind